This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 24. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Hello, Baller Circle members. This is Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast. And today is the September monthly roundup episode. Uh, so today I'm going to go through my takeaways from my interviews with Kate Erickson, Kelly Roach, Rebecca Lombardo, and finally, Domingo Silvas. Uh, and so first I'm going to start out with Kate Erickson. So this month was a, was a really interesting and really powerful month. Uh, and Kate did a good job of starting us off on the right foot. Um, so Kate, uh, on her interview, some of the takeaways that I thought were really, really interesting and really, really powerful is uh, the first thing is um, where she was saying that, um, you know, you never know if your business is going to work until you start. So you have to get rid of any excuses that you have and just try it. Um, she said that, you know, no one else uh, providing you with advice will help you until you start. And I think that that's very true and very powerful because uh, I think a lot of people, um, they wait until the perfect moment to start the business. So they have the perfect idea. They have this perfect launch strategy or perfect business plan or whatever. But the reality is you're not going to really know all of the elements that you need to know until you get started. Because once you get started, you'll realize that you know probably half the plan that you have, no matter how much time you put into it, is wrong. Uh, but you won't know that until you actually start, until you actually get going. And uh, I think her point that, you know, no one no one providing you with advice will help you until you start is true, too. Because, you know, a lot of times people who have started, they understand that. They understand that until you get started, you're not going to really be able to implement the advice in the way that 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 uh, that will be most impactful. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, a, it's important to get advice before you get started. And it's important to... Um, try to get some sort of foundation for best practices, but really getting started is the best teacher and the best way to, uh, to improve. So, you know, get started today. Don't delay anymore. Don't wait until things are perfect. Um, the next thing she talked about was, uh, investing in your business and investing in yourself and how that doesn't always have to mean investing money, uh, if you don't have it. And especially if investing money is preventing you from getting started. Um, you know, she talked about, you know, how you can just, you know, find some online blogs or podcasts or newsletters of people that you admire and just learn that way, learn the free way until you can afford to pay for a course or until you can afford to pay for a coach. Because, I mean, I think I'm a big fan of investing in yourself. I think it's really a time saver to buy a course as opposed to trying to gather everything for free or even the next level up hiring a coach instead of going through a course. But the reality is everyone doesn't have the money to do that right off the bat. And if not having the money is preventing you from getting started, then it makes no sense to wait around until you have the money. Just use the free resources, you know, or use the the cheaper courses or use the, you know, less expensive option until you can work your way up to uh, a level where you can, you know, pay for a course or um, uh, eventually hire a coach. Um uh, and she 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 also said that uh, you need to realize that everyone is scared and that the only difference between you and them is that they took action in spite of that fear. Uh, and I think that's really powerful because 
after all the interviews that I've done with entrepreneurs and all my discussions with them, I've realized that's such a common thing that everyone's scared. Everyone doesn't really know what they're doing. And you just have to go out there. You're not the only one who's scared. You're not the only one who has questions. You're not the only one who feels inadequate or who has imposter syndrome or whatever it might be. And everyone out there right now who is successful, who seems so confident, you know, I think an important thing to do is, you know, one, if they have a, if they have a website, use the Wayback Machine, right? Go look at that person's website when they first started and see how terrible it was, right? Um, listen to some old, you know, podcast episodes if there's someone that has a podcast that you really admire. Or listen to some old speeches that they gave or, you know, even maybe an old business that they had that failed. Because often you'll find a lot of these people who are super successful had some previous businesses that didn't work out so well. And, and uh, you know, they sounded pretty terrible or put out, put out some pretty terrible products. And I think that, that can be... Um, very inspiring because it, you know, it lets you know that you're not the only one. Um, everyone kind of starts out of the same place. Um, and the analogy I, I like, to, I like to use is, you know, I used to be a, a personal trainer, and I remember, you know, going to the gym. You see these guys in there who are, uh, you know, guys and gals who are super, you know, super fit, and people who are not in that same shape. You know, if they're not used to going to the gym. Um, they get intimidated by that. But what they fail to remember is that those people started out somewhere. At some point, that huge buff guy was not able to lift all the weight that he's now lifting. You know, at some point, he had to start somewhere. And he was probably, you know, the skinny person walking in the gym, not feeling very fit. At some point, that really in shape lady had to start somewhere. And uh, so just remembering that and just saying, you know, I have to work, work my way up to that level and not thinking that this person is inherently better than me because they're further along than I am. Um Kate also said uh, if she were to go back and do her business again, that uh, that she would do a side hustle. Now, I know that, you know, she she joined John with Entrepreneur on Fire and she had her own uh, foray into entrepreneurship with her business, Kate Copy. Um, but even with that, you know, trying to do Kate's copy, she, she you know, saved up some money. And she tried to go full time. But she said, you know, if she were to do it again, she would stay with her job that she li- actually liked at the time and just do a side hustle and side hustle until she got to a point in which she uh, was able to do her business full time. Um, because, I, you know, I asked her about that. I asked her, you know, some people have an opinion that, you know, you have to go full time in order to be successful. Other people think you can go full time. And, you know, she said that basically you have to know what your personality type is and what sort of pressure you might need to get you to move forward. Because some people need that pressure. Some people need the pressure of knowing, like, I have no other option in order to uh, be successful. And that pressure is going to help them to be successful. Other people don't need the same pressure or other people also might collapse under that pressure. The pressure may be too much and may um, actually lead them to giving up prematurely or quitting uh, and knowing that they have that, that you know, steady day-to-day income uh, may be enough to help them to work through those dips because they know this is not their only option and they don't have to say, hey, you know, this isn't working out right now. I'm panicked. I need to feed my family. I quit and I'm going to go back to my day job. Um, so it can work out different ways for different people. So, you know, different strokes for different folks. Do what works for you. Um, she said that when she when she thinks back to her business case copy, that the, one of the reasons why that business failed uh, was bef- because she realized she was creating um, creating content for herself, but didn't really understand uh, what would be most valuable for her audience uh, and what they really wanted. Um, she said you really need to think about the content that you're creating and um, how to deliver it. Uh, but you should be creating content based on the answers and direct requests that you're getting from your perfect customer. So instead of guessing what people want, ask them, find out what that is, and then create it. Because otherwise, you know, you're just kind of throwing a dart at the wall. You're thinking, I would want this, 
maybe that will work, maybe it won't, but I think you'll be much better off if you go out there and ask the marketplace what they want. Um, and I, I know some people are thinking right now, well, you know, the whole, um, you know, Henry Ford quote that if I had asked people uh, what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. That's very true that sometimes people don't always know what they want. But you can get ideas for what they might want by asking them, you know, what pain points they have, um, what sort of things they don't like. And you can figure out what are the most painful things and problems that they're having and make sure you're solving an existing problem and not something that you think might be a problem. Um, The other point that she made was she was talking about um, the fact that you know your avatar is wrong if the people who you're putting content out to are not responding. So if you have the right avatar, you're putting content out there, those people should be responding. And if they're not, it likely means that um, uh, your avatar is probably off a little bit. Um, The last point that she made that I thought was interesting because we talked a little bit about crashing conferences and how to do that effectively. And she said that you just need to pick pick the right conferences, pick conferences that don't require you to have a pass um, to go to every event, you know, sneaking in the front door and trying to find a way through the security people. That's, you know, probably not a great strategy and it's probably hard to to really pull that off. I think the better strategy is, you know, finding conferences that have, you know, separate parties and separate meetups, you know, outside of the official conference that you can go to and attend uh, without actually having a conference pass and to kind of focus your your energy on those conferences. Uh, And that's kind of the best way to do it if you can't afford uh, the conference ticket, because sometimes those conference tickets can be, you know, pretty pricey. You're, you know, $1,200, $2,000, depending on what conference you're looking at. Uh, The next next, uh, person up was Kelly Roach. So Kelly Roach made some good points, um, and uh, you know one of the one of the first things she talked about was the importance of not skipping steps. Uh, so Kelly and I had a, a great discussion about um, how unfortunate it is that so many entrepreneurs focus on building an email list, uh, but they don't have a process for getting those people to buy a product once they're on that list. Uh, so basically, they have uh, no sales funnel in place, uh, and this uh, you know is understandable in some cases because. Uh, sometimes you're just starting out and you want to start collecting emails while you're building that sales funnel uh, and you don't want to wait any longer, but you shouldn't wait too long because, you know, as part of that sales process, you want to get people into some sort of sales funnel so that you can capitalist. Um, she, she mentioned the fact that entrepreneurs often uh, skip over training people to their emails and, um, you know, by consistently sending them uh, an email sequence that includes valuable content um, and things to take action on. Um, she talked about, uh, how a lot of people are really, really too eager to make a sale too quickly. Uh, you know, Kelly and I discussed that many entrepreneurs, um, they're so eager to make a sale, they end up losing a sale in the process by driving customers away for asking for the sale too quickly. It's kind of like going to a party and, and meeting someone new and asking them to marry you in the first, you know, few minutes of that conversation. Clearly, that's probably not going to go over too well uh, in most settings. So you kind of need to build just like you have to in that at that party. You know, if you want to find someone who's going to be your customer to buy a product for you, it's kind of the same as you want someone to get to, to marry you. You got to build a relationship with that person first. Um and then once you build that relationship um, with the person, you get them to make you know small commitments uh, up into the point that you get them. You want them to make the big commitment of buying um, a particular product from you. So the same process works offline as it does online. Um, and we also talked about um, the right way to sell. So in this process, I really like. That she outlined, she said, you know, first you get the people to sign up on your email list by providing them with a free offer, and then once you have them on their list, you you send them a couple emails, um, 
and you focus on getting them to open the emails, engage, and to use whatever that offer is. Because too often people will sign up for a free offer and they'll never even use that free offer. It's you know it's free, but you know the email may not ever ever get opened. It's easy to sign up for it, but they may not actually take the action to uh, use that free offer. So you need to get them to engage, to open the free offer, to actually use it so they can see the value. Uh, and then once uh, you uh, start building a relationship with that person by showing them value and, and you know showing them general, genuine interest, um, you help them get what they want uh, on a webinar or on a phone call, and then you can work on selling them a higher ticket item. Um, but the problem with that is, there's this interesting balance, whereas if you ask for the sale too quickly, you end up pushing them away. But if you wait too long, you end up being in the dreaded friend zone, right? So it's the same thing as the, the dating analogy I used earlier. If you wait too long uh, in the dating world, talking to someone and building a relationship, but you don't kind of transition into something romantic, you get caught in the friend zone and you may never, never get out of that. Same thing kind of happens with the sales process. If someone's in your sales funnel too long without you actually asking them to buy something, um, they will only expect to get free content from you and never expect to pay for anything. And, and it's hard to get out of that. Um, and so you have to get in the process of moving people through the, the psychological steps uh, naturally to get them to make a buying decision. Uh, so next was Rebecca Lombardo. So Rebecca, Rebecca was the social media strategist. Um, and she talked about the importance of doing your research when you're uh, creating a social media strategy plan. So she mentioned some good resources. She mentioned the, the Pew um, Research Center uh, was a great place to look at to find uh, demographic research for uh, your target market, uh, figuring out like what products um, and offerings uh, the perfect demographic would be for, those, for, the, for that target market. Uh, and then she said you need to use that data to determine which social media platforms is best for targeting that market? And and based on where your audience is, is um, where you want to focus your effort. Uh, she also talked about the importance of uh, using your time wisely. So Rebecca recommended that you pick one or two platforms in the beginning to focus on. And, you know, other people in the podcast have also recommended the same thing. I think, you know, if you, you spread yourself too thin, try to learn too many things at once, um, you're likely not to be very good at any of them. So pick one or two. Try to become an expert at those because uh, it's, it's time-consuming learning and getting to a point where you're actually good, uh, where you can get people to actually engage with you and be interested in what you have to say. Uh, the one exception that Rebecca made was with Pinterest, uh, and that is because, you know, she said Pinterest is not very time-intensive uh, since basically you can put a post up on Pinterest and people can look at it whenever they want to. It's not like Twitter in which, uh, you know, Twitter is very real-time. People expect real-time information. People aren't likely to look through your tweets that you put up, you know, last week or last month or even maybe even yesterday. You know, Twitter's more like breaking news. Um, and so Rebecca kind of equated uh, posting and responding on Twitter like sending a text message. You know, you don't necessarily have to respond within a minute, but if someone sends you a text message, you expect a relatively quick uh, quick response, same day within, you know, maybe even the next day, but not, you know, someone doesn't respond within a week or so, you're, you're going to be like, Hey, what's going on here? Why, why didn't they respond to my text message? Um, the other thing Rebecca talked about was, um, the, uh, the importance of telling a story with your content. You know, she said people are, are interested, uh, in stories and, and people like to hear stories. And the thing about stories that are most compelling, um, is, uh, they like to, to know um, 
something that they didn't expect to see or hear. It's that unexpected piece that makes the story interesting. Um, so she said when she's writing a story, she first thinks about what she's going to share and what will be unexpected to the reader and frames the story in that way. So I think that's a good kind of process when you're thinking about your social media content. Um, like what is the story there? You know, even if it's 140 characters, what story are you going to tell? How do you make this compelling? Why should people care? Why should they click? Um, and and kind of letting that, that, I guess, mindset frame the kind of things you put out there. And that kind of flows in and segues next to her, her other point of ensuring that your content is valuable. Uh, she made a point of saying that, you know, as part of your social media strategy, uh, before you post anything, you need to ask yourself why your audience is following you and if this post helps with that relationship. Um, and if the answer to that question is no, then you probably shouldn't post it. Um, and the way that you make sure that you're creating valuable content and not wasting your audience's time um, with this content is using the what she calls the so what test. Uh, so you, you create a, you have a content idea and you ask yourself, okay, I'm able to, you know, put this content out to my audience. Uh, am I able to answer the question? So what, you know, why is this important? Why should these people in my audience care? Uh, and if you can't answer that question, uh, you make sure that you, and you make sure you have an answer, put that in your content. Um, if you can't answer the question of, so what, then it's probably an idea you should skip and move on to something else. Um, so the last person that was on the show was Domingo Silva's. And uh, I love Domingo's interview because, um, you know, Domingo talked a lot about success. I mean, he's he's made, you know, tens of millions of dollars with 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 his businesses. Um, but he's very humble about it. And he was very candid about, um, you know, the different stages that he went through. Uh, and one of the things that D- Domingo said that set him apart from other entrepreneurs was really two things was the fact that. You know, in the beginning, he had a very solid idea and a way of conveying that idea to the right people with the capital and the connections that he needed uh, to build his vision. Um, And more importantly than that, he had an unwavering belief in himself and his ability to accomplish his goals. Because, I mean, really, the goals that Domingo had were were really, really big. Uh, The idea that he had was something that a lot of people questioned. A lot of people didn't think were going to work. And, you know, but he just had this unwavering belief in himself that it was going to work. And I've found that so many entrepreneurs have the exact same thing, the unwavering belief in themselves that they have the ability to fight through any sort of doubt, any sort of uh, people that come up to them and try to tell them their idea is not going to work and that they should give up. And if you have that, that belief in yourself, it allows you to push through all of those scenarios. It allows you to ignore all the naysayers and to continue you do what you can to be successful. Um, he talked about how the how he used gratitude gratitude as his fuel. Uh, you know, Domingo is a big believer in the power of gratitude, and I am too. Um, and uh, you know, I believe, I mean personally, that one of the only differences between a good day and a bad day, um, or a happy person and a sad a sad person, is your attitude. You know, I don't usually think that you know most happy people usually don't have um, more good things happen to them than sad people. It's just that. You know, people who are happy focus on the good things that happen to them more than they focus on the bad things. And really where you focus um, dictates how you're going to feel about yourself and how you're going to feel about your life. I mean, I've met people who have seemingly everything you could think of, you know, in, in terms of like financial things, relationships, you know, health, wealth, whatever, and they're miserable. Then you meet other people who have all types of problems and they're they're extremely happy. And you think like, what's the difference between these two people? Well, it's, it's what they focus on. I mean, no matter where you are in your life, 
there's always going to be something you don't have, right? And if you're always focused on that one thing you don't have or, you know, whatever amount of things you don't have, then that's going to pull you down. Whereas no matter where you are in your life, you always have some things that are good. And if you focus on that, then you're a lot, you're likely to be a lot more happy. Um, so really it's more about your focus than it is about what you particularly have. Cause I mean, you have some control over what you have, uh, but not complete control, but you do have more control over, uh, the viewpoint that you decide to have about that. Uh, he also talked about the the importance of having a mentor, and I was actually really impressed that Domingo had a mentor. I'm thinking, you know, if I made fifty million dollars, I would be thinking to myself, "Wow, I'm I'm really good at business. I really know what I'm doing. Is there someone who really can teach me something? Maybe I don't need a mentor." But Domingo, you know, he was he was uh, very humble about it. And he said, you know, um, and this is similar to many, many of my guests. He believed um, that it was really important to have a mentor, and that um, he's had a mentor throughout his entire career. Uh, and that has been a key to his success. And even now that he has millions of dollars, um, you know, he uh, he still has mentors, and he and he and he said he needs those mentors to show him what he doesn't know. He's uh, you know he's smart enough to know that even at his level of success, that uh, there's still things he has to learn, and there's still so much value in having a mentor to guide him. Um, and uh, and the other thing he talked about that I thought was really powerful was um, being willing to pivot. Uh, not being married to any particular uh, idea or way of doing things. Um, you know, Domingo said that he believes it's important to um, not be married to, you know, the way that you're going to develop a product or a service or to whatever the particular offering is going to be and how it's going to look and who it's going to serve. Because over time, as you, um, you know, develop your business and do more research and find out more about it, you may find out that the idea you had was a good one, but maybe there's a better way to tweak it. Or maybe half your idea is good and half is bad, so there's a part of it you want to chuck. But if you're wedded to, I have to do this the way that I originally said I was going to do it to the people I was going to do it to, um, and you're not willing to pivot, then you're likely to miss out on a lot of, uh, of great opportunity. Um, and the last point that Jamingo made that I thought was important was the importance of listening to the market. Um, so Jamingo um, suggested uh, that you know when you start out with any product, you you know as many other people have suggested, you start with a minimum minimum viable product, um, the simplest version of whatever you ultimately want to create, and you put that in the marketplace for testing. And you see how people react to it. You know, what kind of comments do you get? What kind of feedback do you get? Do people say this is a great thing? Do people complain about it? And how can you use that information to improve your current product and to figure out how to build out that new product? Because the last thing you want to do is invest a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money developing something huge, only realize people don't like it or the marketplace doesn't need it or people aren't interested in paying for it. Uh, but if you develop the minimum viable product, you can put it out in the marketplace, you can get the feedback that you need, and then you can tweak it before you put all the money and time into building out that final product. And you're likely to have the final product uh, come out a lot better. Um, so those are my takeaways from the interview for the month. Um, and uh, and really, the last thing I want to discuss was just, in general, uh, I think, um, you know, me with my business, I've enjoyed so much of the interviews that I've done and uh, I've enjoyed uh, having the opportunity to really just learn uh, from some of these great entrepreneurs who are, you know, charting new waters in many in many cases. Uh, and you know, I, I'm I'm just uh, in awe at some of their um, levels of perseverance and levels of just being able to uh, stick out um, 
things that are hard and uh, overcome obstacles uh, and, and do great things in the face of adversity. Uh, and one important thing that I, I kind of wanted to share with you that I thought was really interesting is I watched an interview with, uh, with Jonathan Budd, who is uh, a huge name in the uh, internet marketing and network marketing space. Um, you know, he's sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of products over his career. And, uh, and during that interview with Jonathan Budd, you know, uh, he, uh, he was actually being interviewed by Vince Reed, who is someone who's been on the, on the podcast um, earlier in, the, in this year. And what Jonathan Budd said when he was asked about his success is he just said that, you know, I was successful because I just refused to give up. You know, I wasn't, I'm not smarter than anybody else. I'm not, I don't have the best ideas. I just, you know, I just stuck it out. You know, I just refused to give up. I just said, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep throwing out, you know, different ideas until something sticks. And finally he figured it out and finally something stuck. But he said, you know, there's no magic bullet. Um, It's just, you just have to have that tenacity of like, I refuse to give up. Um, and I think that that's really important because I feel like a lot of people believe like I have to have this amazing idea and, and I have to have this perfect process and yeah, having the amazing idea helps and yes, having the perfect process helps. But I think sometimes just like Woody Allen, Woody Allen said, you know, a lot of times it's just about showing up, right? And if you just keep showing up over and over and over again, eventually a lot of times things work out. Um, so, uh, I would encourage anyone who one is thinking about starting there, getting, getting started with their business to get started now, um, and to just persevere, just keep going on, uh, no matter what anyone says. Um, if you need to do a side hustle, do that. If you need to use free content until you can work your way up to buying a course, do that. I mean, do whatever works for you. Every, everybody's life is different. Everyone's circumstances are different. Everyone's process is different. Um, but you got to do what works for you. And, uh, you know, mimicking someone else's process is not necessarily going to produce, um, the exact same results they had. So, um, I, I encourage all of you to, to go out there, follow your dreams, do what works for you. And, uh, yeah, continue to follow me on the podcast. Check me out at, uh, internet ballers blog at internetballers.co Um, and leave a comment. Let me know what you think about the show. Let me know what you think about the blog. Uh, and let me know what sort of, uh, guests you would like to hear from in the future. Uh, and any feedback you have, uh, for me personally. So thanks for the time. I really appreciate it and, uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.